love like the love of Jesus, never to fear or fail, till into the fold of the peace of God he has gathered us all. <clears throat> every soul by sin oppressed there's mercy with the Lord praise God tonight for the unbounding unfailing mercy of God that is in the Lord Jesus Christ come every soul by sin oppressed sent his son. They called him Jesus. He came to love, heal and forgive. <clears throat>
Our opening hymn tonight is the hymn Years I Spent in Vanity and Pride. Mercy there was great, and grace was. Praise God, the salvation that's offered in Christ tonight is free, it's abundant, and it's available. Let's think of these words as we stand to make this the opening hymn of the mission tonight. seats. Let's sing that final verse. We'll get the note and we'll sing it unaccompanied. Oh the love that drew salvation's plan. For God so loved. Oh that we could fathom that tremendous statement. God so loved. But we see it displayed at the place called Calvary. We'll get the note and we'll sing the verse in the chorus unaccompanied and then we'll ask one of our committee men, Mr. Sean McCauley, to come to the throne of grace in prayer, please.
Let's all unite our hearts together in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for another opportunity we can come before you in prayer. We thank you, Lord, even for the purpose, Lord, that brings us to this mission tonight. We thank you, Lord, for the preaching of the gospel. We thank you, Lord, where men and women can come and hear their need of a saviour. We pray, Lord, you know every individual that's gathered in here tonight. Lord, you know saint and sinner alike. We pray, Lord, that you'll speak to every heart tonight. We pray, Lord, that those who've even here tonight, they may be unsaved. We pray, Lord, that this may be the night when they may come and put their faith and trust in thee. Lord, you're able to save to the uttermost all that come unto him. We thank you, Lord, for the souls that have been saved even and backsliders restored even in the mission already. We pray, Lord, that you'll continue on to work, Lord, and even this may send shares of blessing, Lord, even the remainder two nights of this mission. We pray, Lord, for Jonathan as he comes to sing thy praises. We pray, Lord, that you'll be all that he needs. Help him, Lord, as he sings to thee tonight. We pray too, Lord, for the reverent part. We ask you, Lord, that you'll fill him, Lord, with power from on high. We thank you, Lord, for the clear message of the gospel that has went forth every night of this mission. Men and women have been warned of their need of salvation. We pray, Lord, that tonight, Lord, that they'll come, Lord, and trust thee as their saviour. Lord, we pray you'll just undertake for every aspect of this meeting. Undertake and bless us for Jesus' sake. Amen. Thank you, Sean. Our theme hymn, I heard an old, old story how a saviour came from glory. We'll stand again while we sing this lovely hymn, please.
delighted to have with us tonight as our guest soloist, Mr. Jonathan Logan. We're delighted our brother was able to come. We had his father-in-law with us last night, and we're delighted, Jonathan. Jonathan, we continue to remember you and your family. Your father was a dear friend and a man of God, and we know that for the family, we continue to remember them at the throne of grace in prayer. Jonathan, come and minister to us in song, please. Jesus is mine. Jesus. 
Jesus is mine. Jesus is mine. When all else fails, he still remains. Jesus is mine. It's good to be able to say, when all else fails, Jesus is mine. That's the only hope we have in this life. This second piece I want to try and sing, it's... um, a lovely piece from Brother mentioned opening prayer, but abundant life in Christ. New life in Christ, abundant and free. Gone is the guilt of my sin. Peace is now reigning within. Since I believed, pardon received, happy, so happy I've been. New life in Christ, abundant and free. What glories shine, what joys are mine, what wondrous blessings I see. My past with its sin, the searching and strife, forever gone. There's a bright new dawn, for in Christ I have found new life. Brighter the journey each day, though there is much to dismay. Heaven awaits bright pearly gates there at the end of the way. New life in Christ, abundant and free. What glory shine, what joys are mine, what wondrous blessings I see. My past with its sin, the searching and strife, forever gone. There's a bright new dawn, for in Christ I have found new life. Come with your sin-burdened heart, Christ will his cleansing impart. He will forgive, in him you'll live. Oh, how the joy bells will start. New life in Christ, abundant and free. What glory shine, what joys are mine, what wondrous blessings I see. My past with its sin, the searching and the strife, forever gone. There's a bright new dawn, for in Christ I have found new life. 
Forever gone there's a bright new dawn, for in Christ I have found new life. Thank you, Jonathan. When all else fails, he still remains. Jesus is mine. May the Lord bless those lovely pieces to our hearts. We bid you welcome in the Saviour's name to the mission. And yes, we're not in Dalry out of school. We are in Hebron. So thank you all for keeping that in the forefront of your memory and joining with us tonight. We bid you welcome and we trust that the Lord will bless us around his precious word. We bid also welcome those who are joining us in Sermon Audio, on Facebook and on YouTube. Do remember just two more nights left of the gospel campaign Tomorrow night, back in the Armstrong Hall in Dalriada School at 8pm, uh, preceded by the time of prayer at 7.30, and then the final service of the Gospel Mission on Sunday evening at 7pm in Dalriada School. And the singer tomorrow night will be Mrs. Joy Boyd, and then our Hebron Youth Choir will be ministering in song uh, in the concluding service on Sunday evening. Let's make a final effort in these two nights of the gospel mission. Uh, it has been encouraging those who have been in night by night. We do thank you sincerely for your support and we trust and pray that the Lord will indeed see the tide of blessing rise even in these concluding nights. I just remind you of the love offering tomorrow night and I trust you'll just keep that before you as you come to the service tomorrow night. There's an announcement in relation to volunteers that are needed to pack boxes tonight after the mission with clothes and blankets for uh, Romania. So uh, if you can help and you can stay behind after the mission, I know Mr. Park would appreciate that. And if you want to become a volunteer, there's the opportunity for you tonight to help. And then on Friday, if any of our Hebron members are available after the mission tomorrow night to come to the church to welcome the twin Ukrainian girls, that would also be much appreciated. Mr. Park can elaborate a wee bit on that just before he brings God's word to us. And can I also just remind you of our concert for the school on the following Friday night, the 29th of September, there's still these invitation cards uh, with the Reverend McRae, the Reverend Greenfield, Melton Accordion Band, Pastor Philip Bowles, the Kingdom Heirs, and our own Christian school. Do uh, keep this in prayer. Pray the Lord will bless and come. And as I said, you don't have to pay to get in, but you will have to pay to get out. And so we trust that you'll keep that in memory as we celebrate 40 years of God's goodness to the school. We're going to sing together the hymn, Pass Me Not, O Gentle Saviour, Hear My Humble Cry. While in others thou art calling, you know, pass me by. But an awful thing if you were passed by and left in your sin. But the mercy of God, the Saviour's passing by in this mission, maybe for some person, some one individual passing by. Oh, don't miss the Saviour as he comes and speaks through his word. Pass me not, O gentle Saviour, standing by me singing, please. Mm -hmm. 
Brother Jonathan will come and bring his final message and song, and then the Reverend Park will come after that and preach God's word. Lord bless you, brother. Oh, 
Thank you very much, Jonathan, for your willingness to come to the mission tonight, minister in song. May the Lord hear that call, or may you hear that call of the Lord in your heart. Uh, may the Lord in turn hear your call as you come to him for salvation. That's our prayer. Thank you, Mervyn, for leading. Appreciate that. It's always good uh, to have some to do the opening part of the mission. Remember um, the last two nights, just two more nights after this one, and we're back to the high school. Change of environment tonight. We're here uh, in a place that we're familiar with. If you come to this church, and this is usually our uh, midweek service on a Thursday night, but back to the high school, not the high school, Dalriada. We're told to come back to the high school next year, but back to Dalriada tomorrow night, then Sunday night, and don't forget the seasons of prayer. Remember the schools ministry. We've been busy this week, three schools tomorrow. We have our own Christian school in the morning at 9 o'clock. We have the Laney School at 11 o'clock and then at 1 o'clock over to Colcrow. I'll be speaking at the first two. Greg will be speaking at Colcrow. So we look forward to serving the Lord in the school's ministry. And Samuel had the opportunity uh, to go to Colerain Grammar. That was today, Samuel. Yeah, so we can add that to the list of prayer as we remember these openings that have been given to us. Nina and Karina are going home tomorrow. They've been with us since last April, May time. <coughs> so they're making their journey back to Ukraine uh, to take up residence there in the village of Sari Saltov that was featuring so much at the beginning of the war. So remember them as they travel. I think that the, the travel, the journey is difficult for them. It's a long way and it's, it's a difficult route that they're going on. And you can just imagine what that will be for Karina, who is an invalid uh, girl. So pray that the Lord will be with them. Then coming here tomorrow evening, God willing, the pastor is going to Dublin to bring his mother and sister back. But he's picking up two 18-year-old Ukrainian twin girls. So they had lived with their grandmother for quite some time. Their, their mother died uh, with cancer many, many years ago. And the grandmother has brought them up. And recently she took heart trouble. She would have got out of the city as well because it's being bombed nearly every day. But uh, because of her physical condition, she doesn't feel she can travel. But the girls are coming, Masha and Daria, something like that, I think. You know, Masha is the word Mary. All right, so if you can't think of what to call her, and you've forgotten the name, just call her Mary. And they're twin sisters, so you can call either of them Mary because they look alike. They really do. On the photograph, one of them had, had straight hair and the other one had plaited hair. So there's a wee bit of a difference whether they do that when they're here to make a distinguishing feature. I don't know. But um, Maria is the same name if you go to Romania. And when you go across the border into Ukraine, it is Masha. Now, some of the children will know Masha and the bear. All right. There's Wesley, you're smiling. You maybe know Masha and the bear. But it's a little cartoon. And I never knew that that was Mary and the bear. And she's just a little girl that is always in trouble. I can think of one or two girls who are like that. All right, Rebecca. Mm. At least one of them. And she just reminds me of Masha. So maybe, maybe that'll be her new name from now on. And I'll tell you which one I'm referring to because I wouldn't want to embarrass anyone. 
Anyhow, we, we think of these girls as they come here. The room that they're going into, so we've got the beds, we've got the furniture and all that, and it's sitting out in the landing upstairs. So I know we're trying to pack some boxes tonight and we'd appreciate help. But if there are some of the men, just for 10 minutes, that's all it'll take, even less, just to carry the furniture into the room that is going to be used, that would be very, very much appreciated. Now, can we turn in the Word of God to Revelation 20? I'm going to read from the 11th verse, just these concluding verses of Revelation chapter 20, 11 through to 15. Most of you that have studied the book of Revelation will know that what you have here are revelations. They are things that John was brought to see. And so over and over again, as each vision is given to him, he will use the words, I saw. And he's brought by the Spirit of God to see things that were yet to be. And we're brought to a very, very solemn and fearful day in these final verses of Revelation 20. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Let's bow together in prayer. <coughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you for another mission service, for being with us almost now in, in two weeks. And we're very conscious that soon we're coming to the end of this special time of gospel preaching. These <coughs> opportunities that are given to men from our town and district to come in under the sound of the word and to hear from heaven. We believe that that's what it has been. We've turned to your word. We've listened to the message of God. And in that sense, we're hearing from heaven. And we want to hear from heaven, from God's throne room this very night. And we want to hear with an ear that God puts upon the heart. We of ourselves cannot comprehend the scripture. We cannot understand spiritual things. But there is one who is the teacher, the blessed comforter, whom Christ sent into the world who came in his place and he came to reprove the world of sin, righteousness and judgment. Lord, we pray that people here that are still in the world of sin will know that reproving, convincing work of the Spirit of God tonight. Show them, Lord, their need of Christ. Show them their need of his righteousness. Show them their sin and how that the only thing that that can cover that sin is the righteousness of our dear Savior. And Lord, show them there is a judgment We think of how Christ was judged upon the cross for our sin. Bring them to see Calvary 
and show them also that judgment to come when men will stand before God as we have been reading here tonight. I pray for power, wisdom, the anointing of God to bring the message. I cry to thee in Jesus' name that you'll anoint this weak earthen vessel with God the Holy Spirit and help me, Lord, to bring the message that you've led into my heart tonight for Jesus' sake. Amen. I want to preach on the second death. And in these concluding verses, we, we have mentioned made of that. And we have the expression at the end of verse 14, this is the second death. The second death is that punishment justly passed upon all who die without Jesus Christ as their saviour. Men, women and young people who never sought the Lord, who never repented of their sin, who never believed the gospel, who never accepted Christ, and they die in that state, will undergo the sentence of the second death. And the Bible makes it abundantly clear that, that sinners will die. It is the holy and just verdict of a righteous God. When Adam was told by the Lord at the beginning of time, in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. What did God mean when he spoke to the first man that walked upon this scene of time? When the Bible says, the soul that sinneth it shall die. What does it mean by that? When Paul wrote, for the wages of sin is death. What was Paul referring to? And when James said, sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. What was the Apostle James referring to? Is it physical death? Just merely physical death? Not so. It's true to say that physical death came as a direct result of our sin. But it is the experience of all men, saved and unsaved. Wherefore, as by one man's sin entered into the world and death passed upon all men, no matter who we are, no matter what background we come from, all men in this world will die. Except for the two that we read about in biblical history who escaped physical death as we know it. Enoch, way back in the book of Genesis, who walked with God and he was not, for God took him, the seventh from Adam. He escaped death. One day he was walking out in the fields, communing with God as he did every day, and he just walked right into the presence of God in heaven. What a way to go. Elijah is the other. In the book of Kings, we read about Elijah taken up into heaven in a whirlwind, and he escaped natural death. And of course, those who are alive when Jesus comes again will also escape natural death. The Bible says when the Lord comes and he returns to this world, the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. So if you're one of those believers, and you're still living when Jesus comes again, you will escape death, but death is passed upon, upon all men, and only for the two exceptions in biblical history, and those alive when Jesus comes again, every other single human being will die. Therefore, what is the second death? Well, it is, and let me give you this definition, and please listen to it. It is an eternal, unalterable, unthinkable sentence passed upon all the unconverted, sending them to a Christless hell for all eternity. That's just putting it in a sentence. It is the eternal, unalterable, 
unthinkable sentence passed upon all the unconverted, sending them to a Christless eternity or Christless hell for all eternity. John, as he receives revelations from Jesus Christ, he, he is taken to the scene of sad and solemn judgment. And he sees before him the eternal judgment and upon the throne that is described here, this majestic white throne, he sees the Lord Jesus Christ in all his majesty. If you look at verse 11, he says, I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. To this judgment all men are summoned. The small and the great as are described here. From all eras of history, from all walks of life and from all parts of the earth. Every nation, every kindred, every tongue. And they're summoned to take their place in humble, fearful silence before the Almighty. There is a commotion in the dark waters of the earth as the bodies of lost sinners who died at sea are, are given up. There is a rattling among the tombstones of the world's graveyards and burial grounds as the decayed bodies of unregenerated men reunite with their, their souls, their, their souls that have been tormented in hell since the day of their death. And the record books of heaven are opened and the judgment is set. And I want you to note that all who stand at this judgment, every single person without exception, they have the awful sentence of the second death passed upon them. Each one is cast into the lake of fire. These are fearful truths and yet necessary. Truths that you ought to know tonight. Truths that need to be stamped again and again upon the mind, heart, and conscience of men. And I say, sinner, heed. Heed what God is saying. Listen carefully to what he's saying in his word tonight because this message on this Thursday night of our mission is for you. Let's think about the second death. And as we do so, there's some things that I want to point out. First of all, the location of the second death. The sentence of the second death is carried out in this place that is called here at the end of this chapter, the lake of fire. Now we know that this, we know that this to be the final and the permanent destiny of the lost. When a soul dies without Jesus Christ, he, he goes immediately and directly to hell, the place where men are tormented and where men cry out. We, we looked at that at one night in the mission. Luke 16, the rich man that's, that's there, that's where he went, and that's where all men go who die without the Lord. But that's not the final abode. At the day of judgment, when the body and the soul are reunited, and men appear before the great white throne, an ultimate sentence is fixed. And an ultimate destiny is sealed. The lake of fire. The lake of fire is, you might call it, the hell of hells. The final destination of all without the Lord. The Bible hell of the second death is a place of fire. Not the words of the preacher. The words of Almighty God. 
And God has used the strongest possible language to describe the horrors of hell throughout the scriptures. Repeatedly we find statements and terms like this, flames of fire, neither shall their fire be quenched, devouring fire, fire, everlasting fire, unquenchable fire, flaming fire, fire and brimstone, hell, fire, tormented in this flame. Do you see that that region of eternal night, lavic fire and brimstone, dashing and surging, rolling and, and seething, What a horrible tempest it is, this lake of fire. And that's where the sentence of the second death will be carried out. But then I want you to notice the sensation of the second death. We're thinking here about about the feelings. How will a man feel as he undergoes this judgment? Well, the first death, physical death as we know it, which is the separation of the, the body and the soul, is a frightful thought. An experience. Men fear dying. They're afraid of the unknown. To feel the death rattle in your throat. To repeatedly gasp your final breaths. To feel your your heart growing weaker and weaker. The cold sweat of death sitting on your brow. The knowledge of taking your leave from this life. And feeling your soul sliding away from its earthly tabernacle is indeed a solemn and a fearful thought, especially to the sinner who's not ready for death, who's not ready for this journey of all journeys that will bring him out into the great eternity of God. Praise God, the child of the Lord has one to be with him, and we've been emphasizing that through the mission too. Christ is there in the hour of death for the child of God. And you and I that are saved, we are assured of our future. We have peace in our heart that passes all understanding. We have a contentment. And we can say, as we quoted the other night from the Psalm 23, along with David, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Because the Lord's there. What a joy it is to be a Christian when you come to the moment of death. But the unconverted soul is void of any comfort and any help. You ever stood at the bedside of a dying man? You ever watched as he takes his last gasps? Have you ever observed the, the struggle that he faces pulling those final few breaths of air into his feeble lungs? Have you ever felt the warmth draining from his body? Have you ever seen the, the, the death dew forming on his forehead? Have you ever noted in the case of the unconverted that look of, of anxiety and fear and terror that's written all over the countenance of that individual? This is the eternal experience of lost souls. Men will feel and experience these sensations of death forevermore. Constantly gasping. Constantly struggling. Constantly fighting. Constantly shaking and convulsing. Constantly feeling all the pangs of death. But never able to die. Never able to die. Feeling like that all the time. But, but never coming to the point of death. But it's not only the sensation of physical death as we know it that he endures. 
but the manner and the type of his death must be noted. It's death by fire. The sensation is that of being burned alive and burned alive continually, forever. The man in hell is surrounded by fire. You think of this lake, this lake of fire. The nearest that we come, I suppose, to this experience is to be burned alive. What few awful, intense, agonizing moments it must be for someone who dies this way. We know what it is. I think most, if not everybody here, what it is just to receive a burden. Maybe you burn your finger or some other part of your body accidentally. And you know the pain just in that little part of your body as the fire touches it or something that's excruciatingly hot touches it. We think of those who have been in the fires and they have escaped with serious injury. You speak to them. I've visited people in the Royal Victoria Hospital who have been in the fires and their body covered in, in burns and scars. Just talk to them what it was like for them to be in the fire. Take a man in a burning building. He's trapped. There's no escape. He, he's surrounded by the flames above him, below him, all around him. And he's scorching. Uh, the flames are, are licking all around his body. What a dread. What a fear. What, what pain. We couldn't really imagine it tonight. I sometimes think about the martyrs. In our fellowship area, we've got photographs of all kinds of heroes of the faith from preachers and evangelists and missionaries, songwriters, theologians, but there's also photographs or pictures of the martyrs, those who died, the martyr's death, and so many of them that died by being burned at the stake. What fearful deaths they faced. They must have felt fearful. They must have been scared, humanly speaking. They must have felt broken. But, you know, faith carried them through. One of the photographs that we have, I'm just trying to think of where it is, it might be the third one in chronological order, is that of Thomas Cranmer. Martyred for his faith on the 21st of March, way back in 1556. Whenever he thought he was going to die the first time, and he'd been thrown into prison for a couple of years, he recanted. You see, they gave the opportunity you, you recant your faith and you turn your back upon what you said you believe and, and you'll not have to face the, the stake. You'll not have to burn. And Cranmer, in a moment of weakness, he, he recanted. But then the Lord came and blessed him with courage and with grace to renew his faith, to declare his faith. And now he's staring death in the face, brought to the martyr's stake. The fires were lit. You remember the story, some of you, how he held his right hand in the flames. That treacherous hand, he called it, that had signed that document recanting his faith in Christ. And he said that hand is going to be the first to burn. And they said there wasn't even any cries or screams from him. He must have been in excruciating agony. And he held his hand as long as he could in those flames. The rest of the fires came up around his body. Thomas Cranmer died for the sake of Christ and died the martyr's death. What an awful, awful death even for that child of God to die. The second death 
is this experience for all eternity. Constantly burning, constantly scorching, constantly crying, constantly shouting. No wonder the Bible tells us that men will weep and wail and gnash their teeth in pain. All this pain, all this agony, all this scorching, all this feeling, and unable to die. Think about it. The sensations of physical death, not able to die. And now all the horrible sensation of being burned alive, not able to die. The sensation of the second death. What about the duration of the second death? I hear someone ask the question, how long is it going to be, preacher? Well, the sentence of the second death is eternal. The beast and the false prophet and the devil have been cast into the lake of fire. And we read of the duration of it in this chapter, the previous verse to our reading is verse 10. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. No intermission and no end. A million years will pass. And the experience of death will not have changed. Day after day, night after night, week after week, month after month, year after year, decade after decade, century after century, millennium after millennium. And these great spaces of time, if we can think about time, because it's something that's eternal, but in order to help us understand, we have to put it into some kind of measure. These millenniums will pass. And the souls there will be languishing in the second death, twisting, burning, crying, scorching forever. Some weak and foolish men think that, that hell is going to burn out someday and that they will come to a place where they'll bathe their weary soul if hell ceases to burn. I want to tell you tonight, Jesus is a liar. And I say that on the authority of God's word. If hell in the future ceases... Jesus has told lies in his ministry. Jesus says, it shall never be quenched. That's the authority of the Son of God. And we better believe it. When God ceases to live, men will cease to suffer. The second death is eternal. The great preacher C.H. Spurgeon said, in hell there is no hope. They have not even the hope of dying. The hope of being annihilated. They are forever, forever, forever lost. On every chain in hell there is written forever. In the fires there blaze out the words forever. Above their heads they read forever. Their eyes are galled and their hearts are pained with the thought that it is forever. And my dear friends tonight, you are willing. Your precious and your immortal soul and body to go to hell forever. By refusing the gospel. By turning away from Jesus Christ. What a risk. The longer you stay away. The more difficult it will be to come. To Jesus Christ. The duration. What about the qualification? Who's qualified? Now look at verse 15. Whosoever was not found. Written in the book of life. Was cast into the lake of fire. Oh, God keeps a record. God has a book. 
On its pages are indelibly inscribed the names of the saved. Each redeemed soul has a name, praise God, written in heaven. Every time a man or a woman or a boy or a girl is converted to Jesus Christ, God writes his name in the book. It's a blessed knowledge to be assured that your name is on this roll. Jesus says, rejoice because your names are written in heaven. If you're a Christian tonight, do what Jesus says. Even right now in your heart, rejoice with joy unspeakable that your name is in the book of God. Oh, when the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more and the morning breaks eternal bright and fair, the saved of earth shall gather over on the other shore when the roll is called up yonder. Here's the question. Will you be there when the roll call is read out? When those names in the Lamb's book of life are read out, will you be there? Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. Every child of God will be there. Is your name written in heaven? Only souls whose names are written there will pass through the judgment. For God is saying in verse 15, Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. I wish with all my heart that your name is there. As the evangelist in this mission, and I know it's the same with God's praying people here tonight, we wish with all of our heart that your name is in God's book. Is it, my friend? One final thought, and with this I'll close. The salvation from the second death. There's only one way of escape, and that's the atonement of Christ. What do I mean by that? The sacrifice that he made at Calvary's cross when he died for us. He died the second death, you know, at Calvary so that sinners like you and I could go free. He died for us, the Bible says, and he was bruised for our iniquities. He was made sin for us. He was made a curse for us. He tasted death for every man. All that the second death entailed in its severity, in its agony, and its eternity, he bore upon the cross of Calvary on behalf of those who come to him and believe. Waking up tonight. Oh, waking up. It's time to cast off your rebellion, your apathy, and your sloth, and get to the cross. Get underneath the covering of the blood of Christ. Get to the Savior and get to him tonight. You know, the great problem is so many people don't believe. They don't believe the Bible. They don't believe in the future. They don't believe what God has written in his word. And not only do they not believe, they don't fear. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but men do not fear him. It's like fearing the, the painting of, of a lion. You saw a painting of a lion, you wouldn't fear that lion. People maybe see the paintings of what eternity is like in God's word and they don't fear it. Oh, to know the reality. Oh, to be brought to see the reality of what it is to die without the Lord and to go out into this place and to undergo the experience of the second death in the lake of fire forevermore. May God make it real. May he make his word live in your heart tonight. And may you flee to the only remedy for your sin, which is Christ. And may you flee tonight if you haven't done so already. Oh, the Lord's calling you.
He's calling you in this mission. Don't you hear him speak tonight? I know you do. Let's pray. Lord, our brother was singing earlier, softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. So often we've heard that. (coughs) So often it's been that, that soft, gentle call through the word. As the Lord is drawn up beside us by his spirit and he's spoken to our hearts. Then at other times it's been a louder call. Maybe like tonight as the the truths of a lost eternity are set before us. It's a loud call that we hear from heaven tonight. Oh, we just pray that men will sit up and listen to it. And they'll heed the warning voice. And make the Lord their final choice. Then all heaven will rejoice but they need to be in time. Lord, will you speak now with power and grace and draw sinners unto yourself. Bring them to Jesus Christ, the only remedy for their sin. Bring them now. Bring them at this mission. Don't let them go on rejecting the Lord and refusing your offer of grace and mercy. Don't let them go on trampling under their feet the love of the Son of God as we see it at the cross. Oh, but may they turn. As the scripture says, turn and live. And they do it now for Jesus' sake. Amen. 256. Where will you spend eternity? I'm not going to take any issue with the writer of the hymn. But I don't want you to get the impression that you'll spend it. Usually when you spend something, it's gone. Where will you spend eternity? Maybe it's better to say, where will you be in eternity. You'll not spend eternity in the sense that someday, even if it is millions and millions of years ahead, you're going to get out of there and, and your time will be spent. But where will you be? Think of that as we sing the word spend. Where will you be forever in eternity? This is the question tonight, and it's coming to you and to me. Tell me what your eternity will be. Where will you spend eternity? May that word rivet itself upon your mind and heart. Eternity. It's forever. May God be merciful. Bring you to Christ. Amen.
The very sense is out of my hands now and the hands of God's people. We can continue to pray, and of course we will. But it's in your court now, and you must make the decision. If you're not a Christian, you must make a decision what you will do with the message that you heard, what you will do with Christ the Savior, what you will do about your eternity. And if we can help you, we're here. Don't go away without the Savior. Heavenly Father, bless your word. Let there be that drawing power of the Spirit. We're absolutely dependent upon our God for everything. And in this most important matter of salvation, it belongs to God from beginning to end. Lord, we pray that the preaching of the word will be sealed with the salvation of souls. Separate us with your blessing. For Jesus' sake. Amen.